Hello, everybody. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Transatlantic Rebels podcast. Uh, this time round, we are talking about the season two of a Netflix kind of horror 80s comedy-ish thing, I guess. It's really difficult to categorize. It's the second season of Stranger Things, although we will be referring to the first one as well, I guess. Um, it only came out a few weeks ago. No, not even a few weeks ago, probably a couple of weeks ago at this point. We're going to try and get this out as quick fire as possible to stay as relevant as possible um, because that's the way it's gone. So, um, Rashad, what did you think of the original Stranger Things and how do you think it compared to the second season? It's weird because Stranger Things is one of those shows where, and uh, somebody said it on Twitter, interestingly, Stranger Things is a show that's like enjoyable to watch, but you really don't need to go too deep about it. I think it's more about like just enjoying spending time with the characters more than anything else, more than any like 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 strong plot. Because basically, it's pulling off of like like nostalgia, but it's kind of like it's kind of like Goonies the series mixed with a little bit of Monster Squad. So there's not really that much um, like I don't want to say because the characters the character work is strong and all that stuff like that. But I just think that the first one was fun, and this one was just like more of the same. But you love these characters even more after that, in a sense. Except for one episode, I feel like kind of like a, a misfire. But I do think that that it that it ended well more than the uh, the first one. I think this one ended stronger than the other one ended stronger. And I think the character work for certain characters were stronger than they were in the first one. Okay, uh, I mean we're, we're kind of sorry I forgot to mention we're in a kind of spoiler free thingy I guess for the first couple of minutes. Um, I thought that the first season of Stranger Things was kind of more of a visceral thrill and it caught you by surprise. I think it was more kind of instantaneously enjoyable and more of a thrill to watch, it kind of in more of a condensed fashion. Um, I think the second season, I actually loved it, but I can see why a lot of people didn't. Um, like the first kind of half of, of, of it is quite slow to burn in, in a numerous, I don't know, in quite a few years. It's kind of like setting up certain things for the second half of of the series to knock it out and but there was a lot more character development it's kind of like a music album you know you've got your first one where you've got like three hit singles and stuff and like it's the rest of it's solid i think the second one you're trying to have sort of more artistic credibility and you're going deeper and developing things more but it can actually lose your average viewer a bit more um like my wife for example I think she was really enthralled with the first season of Stranger Things. And literally one night we watched like four episodes or five episodes in a row or something, which is something we just don't normally do nowadays. 
Um, with this one, she was quite content being like watching two episodes a night and that was it. We stretched out over like five days or six days or something. And, and to be honest, even so was I, like I was really enjoying it, but it wasn't one of these ones where you're, it's like a typical binge watching thing. You're like, oh my God, I have to see what happens next. This one wasn't like that. Definitely not. But, but actually I liked it more in, in most respects, I think. Uh, and it was more memorable for me. Um, Okay. We're going to take a quick musical interlude and then we're going to jump straight into the spoilers. Okay, so Stranger Things and Stranger Things 2. We're primarily, I guess, going to focus on the second season because it's just fresh. Um, For me... I'm going to be honest and say there are there are so many things that I loved about it. There are a couple of things that I didn't. I didn't. I think the nostalgia it got a bit much, if I'm honest. But maybe that's because I remember the '80s. So if if I was a kid who was like 20 and had no idea about all these things, I might like these Easter eggs and think, okay, I'm going to look into this. This looks interesting. Blah 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 blah. Um, for me, I think it was a bit too much. There's there's paying like homage to things. And then there's this, like, this is just beyond that, basically. Like, almost every frame has some sort of gigantic, like, homage to it. And it's like, I, I, it was a bit overwhelming for me. Um, I like the odd thing here or there. and not Like, it kind of pulls away from the originality for me. Um, I don't know what you think about that. No, I mean, not, I mean, not, that didn't bother me so much. I mean, the Ghostbusters thing might have been like, a, the trap thing might have been too much. But that's, it, but it's funny because... At the same time, this is this is it's this show is 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 half is, is half good story to have good characterization and half fan service. I I think that's the strength of Stranger Things, where people want to admit it or not, because it is it's basically is fan service for people who want to relive that Goonies era kind of film. I mean, you got Sean Astin in there, you got Paul Reiser, you got all these, you got Renona Ryder for crying out loud. I mean. The, the premise of the original show is basically even the, even the trailers for the original show it's kind of like gave you that 80s Spielberg Stephen King kind of feel so f- for me it wasn't too shocking that it kind of like dove into it and did that more stuff like me like I said to me that didn't really bother me like I just enjoyed those kids hanging out I still think and it's going to sound like 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 heresy in a way like I st- like I still think even though I like the kids. Like they still hasn't like I know people say it reminds me of the Goonies. I still think that they haven't nailed like how the Goonies work so well with each other. Like these kids work well with each other, but I still don't think they got that '80s feel right there. But I don't I don't knock it for that point. But I think sometimes the kids can be a little bit more like a uh, rough around the edges. Whereas with the Goonies, it's kind of like they just get, like you felt like they were friends for years. But with these with these characters, sometimes you can see like the seams a little bit. Even though the kids are really good. But there's there's certain kids that are more stand up. I will say like um like the character of Mike Finn Wolfhard, he kind of took a back seat this year as compared to how he was last year. But he was kind of like moody anyway, so that was part of it. And I think the MVPs more along this year were kind of like um the kids that didn't get to shine like Dustin and um man, I forget what his name Caleb McLaughlin's was the character name. I can't remember his character's name. I thought Caleb was Dustin, wasn't he? No, Dustin is um the kid that had no teeth last year. No, he's um. Oh, Lucas. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, Lucas. Lucas. Caleb, Lucas. Yeah, Lucas. Yeah, yeah. Lucas Caleb. Lucas Caleb McGoughlin. So I think the whole love triangle with them and Max that was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Mike kind of like fell on the background, and I think that um, that was the kid that got like taken away last time. I'm having brain farts right now. <laughs> for some reason, I'm I'm looking at his name. The one that got got taken away in the last movie, and then this last uh, show, and then he came back. Will. 
Will. Will, yeah. Yeah. He was really strong. But the only problem I had with, with, with Will was he was a great... I, I felt like... Uh, maybe I'm wrong on this one. I felt like he was so good at being disturbed and being sad. I think that the writers kept going to that well one too many times. Yeah. At some point. But he was really good. He was... When he, but when he was on, he was on. He sold the sadness. He sold when he was in pain. He sold when he was helpless. Like, all that stuff was great. I think he was, like, the eleven of this year. And I think... And like, I remember one critic saying this, and I agree with this. I think, as strong as I think Eleven is as a character and an actor, I think she was away from the guys a little bit too long, in a sense. But I don't know if you felt that way about that. Yeah, there, there was a disconnect there, definitely. I, I get what you're saying. I think in the first season, there, there was this real... I thought that it was pretty strong, the camaraderie between the four boys in particular, and then Eleven kind of jumped into it pretty well, you know, because she was like this E.T. character, and... They, they sort of looked after and you you know you had all these obvious et references and stuff like that fine whatever um i think in this one there, there's a definite like fracture between obviously she's literally physically not there and will i mean he just goes to the fucking sunken place in a, in a <laughs> sorry that's get out isn't it he goes to the upside down and and then like never really fully returns does he like it like psychologically um and then you've got what Lucas, uh, the dust, the Dustin Lucas and Max dynamic was brilliant. I thought that was really cool. Du- I think Dustin was the MPV of this one. Um, he just had so many. I, I actually think he's a really good actor, like a comic actor. If you're going to ask me in ten years' time, who is going to be like around out of these lot because they'll all be kind of in their early twenties and stuff, um, I'd say him as a comic actor in like these Judd Apatow movies, basically. And I'd probably say maybe Millie Bobby Brown, because uh, I've since seen her in so many interviews and this and that. She seems to have really good range. And she's English, so I'm going to be completely biased. Uh, like, I think also, I think I, I, I'm going to be, I'm interested to see what the episode you thought wasn't good. I'm guessing it's the one where Eleven went to town. Mm-hmm. Is it that one? You didn't like that one? I like the ideal of it. The acting was killing me on that show. The acting oh, yeah? and the writing was killing me. Well, not so much. Well, not so much the acting, but the writing was killing me. I was getting annoyed. I was getting. I was seriously getting annoyed. I just wanted to fast forward through it, but I knew how to sit through it. Like the writing was just so. To me, I thought the writing was so on the nose. It was. I almost felt like I felt. Almost felt like that episode should have been. The the the, the important beats of the episode should have been cross cut with the stuff back at um Hawking personally. But that's just. I guess we can get into that later, but. That's how I felt. I was getting annoyed by that episode, really. Yeah. I think some people liked it, some people didn't. I, I liked the premise of it. I, I actually kind of liked the actress who was playing uh, Carly Stroke 8, uh, and she tweeted me and favorited one of my tweets. So I'm not going to say anything bad, just in case. But I, I can I can understand why certain people didn't take to that episode. Um, I generally like that departure episode when they just completely leave and, and just go off on one. Um I get what you're saying. I think that was the most kind of overtly 80s one of the whole series in something that was like the 80s threw up on the whole of Stranger Things season two. And and I think one of the problems that I have is the Duffer brothers were born in 1984, which is when this year was supposed to be. And I was kind of like, I don't, I don't know if they're too young. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know if they're, they're like five to seven years too young because they they kind of like, it feels like they're retroactively sh- like shoehorning a lot of these references in and it's not as organic as it should be. Um, it's like they're, they're sort of learning about all these things and they have a real love for it, but 
It's different if you actually just grew up in the 80s like we did, basically. I understand that, you know, you have influences and homages and stuff like that. But I just think, I think it was, this didn't feel as organic as the first series, basically, to me. But, I mean, I think this is going to go on for like four or five series. And it's interesting, when it finished, I was saying to my wife, I was like, do you think that they're going to do like five of these? Because they're kind of, they really are kids. I think one of the kids was 11 when it started. Uh, Millie Bob... Bobby Brown is still only 13 right now. Um, so you can imagine them kind of growing up on camera for all of this, like until they're in their late teens, potentially some of them. So it's going to be pretty fascinating to see what they do, basically, because I think it's now getting too big for them to not do. So uh, no matter what, I think it's going to happen. And and obviously right at the end, like, I mean, the, the very kind of post credits thing or whatever it is, it, they show that there's still this upside down is still there and that big shadow monster is still there and stuff. It's just that the gate is sealed. So obviously the gate is going to reopen a bit. It's a little bit on the nose, but um, okay, rambling a bit too much. Basically, the Duffer brothers have said this is like a film. You should watch this as if it's like a super long film. How do you think that kind of played out in, in actual practicality? If I feel like this, this is an argument if you want to say the long film thing because it's still a series. If you're gonna if you're gonna do the film thing, I'll make an argument you should only do three episodes. Then, if you want it to be a long movie, and you want it to pace like a movie, I would I would argue if you want to argue something's a movie, then I would say do three episodes, a three episode arc, and make it into like a three hour movie. Then I can I can buy the pacing. But if you're doing any more than three hours, then it's a series. The pacing doesn't work. You can't call a series a movie. It's just two different types of pacing, in a sense. Because if you do episode do episode structure each episode has to be about something specific it has to build it has to start with an ideal even though you're doing like a long form thing you start with an ideal and you follow the ideal to lead to the next ideal to the next episode but if you do something like three episodes you can kind of do it at the beginning middle and end so i don't i don't necessarily agree with the fact that you say it feels like a like a like a nine hour movie especially if you're doing that thing with episode seven then it really doesn't feel like a movie because you're not cross-cutting back it's like you did a movie and then for long one long strain you just like for one hour, you pretty much like just dropped all the other plots and just like sat with these people in a sense. And I don't think that would flow well for a movie. Unless you're doing something like Castaway where like the, the, the large amount of the movie is just that one situation. And then you bookend it with like a beginning situation and then the situation when he comes back. So I don't know if I buy that too much. Yeah, I mean, ironically, I kind of got what they were saying this time around more than anything. I think the first one is it's such a binge-watchy thing, the first one, which is how it should be. I mean, it was the, the first season of of a, of a new sort of TV show, um, whereas I think this one is a lot more developed. The the only problem is is that you can't watch it like a film because, like, it, like I said, it's nine hours long. So unless, like, <laughs> unless you're literally going to sit and watch it from start to finish in one day, which I don't know how many people would have done this time... I think certain people might have planned it like that, but I actually think the the pacing of this time would kind of put you off. I think you'd just stop after a few hours, basically, and then come back to it. Um, I'd be really interested to know what listeners think and how they actually digested it once they had finished it. Um, how did you finish it, like, in terms of what time I, I did that. I felt like, because it happened, I watched two episodes. Then I would find myself drifting for a little bit, like, you know, let me yeah. come back to it. I would watch it, and I would drift, and then come back. Yeah. So that's how it works for me. And then, like I said, it, it worked out in the end because the last two episodes I really enjoyed. But there were some points where I was like, you know what, let me go and come back to it later. Yeah, there was a really funny tweet. And it was basically this girl said, um, oh, 
<laughs> I gave my ex-boyfriend my Netflix password. And then once he reached uh, episode five of season two of Stranger Things, I changed it. <laughs> like that that is spot on because basically the first four, you're kind of trudging through a little bit. Um, you know, things happen and stuff like that, but it's not a really kind of like hectic pace or anything like that. Suddenly, season uh, episode five is where it really kicks off. And then I was like, fi- I finally woke up. I think it was like episode four. To be perfectly honest, I was on my laptop for half the episode. I was just, you know, it was on the, it was on my TV, but actually I had my laptop on. I was looking at stuff. I wasn't like completely engaged and committed, um, which was not something that happened with the, the first series. But that was just glued to my TV, like you know, trying not to shit myself, basically. Whereas this, with this one, it was only from episode five onwards that I actually really kind of started committing to it. Um, and then I think it was paced really well. Like I know a lot of people, like like you said, didn't like that departure episode, but I, I still kind of liked it. Uh, it didn't completely grip me, but I still kind of liked the premise of it. Um, okay, so who are your standout characters? To then? me, I I think there, there's a there's a I I can I, I can I can almost like key in what what happened when the pickup when Steve Harrington and Dustin got together. I feel like that's where the, where it kicked into gear. I think with Steve, I think out of the teenagers, I think Steve Harrington's the MVP because he's like that, like the bad boy. He like you, like he has, a, he had enough goodness in him in the like near the end of the first season, where in this season is like once he got out of that stupid love triangle with um with uh with uh, Mike's sister and uh and uh, Will's brother, and then he comes into it. That's it, and that's the testament. I even remember his name compared to the other two's name. I could barely remember their name, but um. But I think once him and Dustin got together, and he's more proactive about hunting down the uh, the demo, the demi dogs and stuff like that, I think that's where it kicked into high gear. And I think to me, like that's where it was like, okay, we're going to zero to sixty now because I think the first four episodes kind of like like warm up and stuff like that. And then once once Dustin and the uh, demi the, the demi um, Dart kind of got bigger, I think once Dart got big, I think that's when it like kicked off right there for me. Yeah, I love Dart. It was really funny because. I was. I kept saying, "Oh, Dart. Dart's really nice. Dart's so cute." Blah blah. And my wife was just like, "No, no. Dart's going to be evil. Dart is going to be evil." And I was like, "No, no, no. I have faith that Dart will come good in the end at some point." And actually, I was proven correct, like sort of slightly. Um, in terms of the best characters for me, I thought Dustin definitely. He was the MB, MVP of the kids for sure. Um, and I include like even like Eleven, Max, everyone basically. Uh, in terms of the older crew, I didn't really like the Nancy storyline this time so much, to be honest. Um, or, or Jonathan. I, the only th- the only thing I did like is when they were with that that investigative reporter guy and like trapped in his house basically, and then ended up sleeping together. I thought I thought that was a great episode or, or a great kind of plotline for them. Otherwise, I don't think it worked so well with them. Um, I actually really liked Billy. I have to admit, is that his name, Billy? Which one? Yeah, the brother. asshole. Yeah, the psycho stepbrother. <gasps> yeah. yeah, Billy. Uh, I actually thought, yeah, I thought that worked really well because you needed kind of this. Steve was the asshole anymore because Steve wasn't a dick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Steve wasn't an asshole. You needed a human antagonist for well, I mean, for the kids. Uh, it wasn't directly the kids; it was more Max. But oh, actually, do you know what? There was that threat of racism in there as well. Oh yeah. And then it was it was brilliant because at the end you actually had his parents or his father in particular, who was this complete asshole. And and it's funny because I saw so many things on Twitter about the father of Billy giving him a real hard time, like you know, 
oh, you know, you, you, like a faggot or this or that and blah, blah, and hitting him and stuff like that. And there, there's so many kind of like, it's seemingly younger people on Twitter who were just shocked by this. Yeah. And I was like, man, Please. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know what's funny? Okay, you don't I, want to I know just, what our parents did to our generation. Jesus Christ. You know? Here's the funny thing about it, because I don't want to push back against the, the, the woke movement, but sometimes people try to rewrite history sometimes. Like a lot of these people who grew up in the 80s and 90s want to act like that. And I'm not justifying what we were saying back in the day. But if you want to keep it all real, most of these woke people that were during the 80s and 90s, you weren't, you weren't that woke back then. So yeah. let's ease up a little bit. It took you a long time to come out of that stuff like that. So I, I get the younger kids kind of like be like, what the heck? Because they didn't necessarily grow up in that, even though that stuff is still kind of going on. Because I do still hear kids, even where I work at, some kids still kind of like have that homophobia or racism. They still got that going on. I had kids that when Trump won, they were like, yeah, you guys are going back to Africa, blah, blah. So that still stuff still, that stuff still goes on. I just think that on social media, everybody puts up a good front that is not there. But it is still there in a sense. But not like how it was in the 80s. The 80s was like, like that. Like you couldn't even come out in the 80s, man. You couldn't even, you really couldn't, you almost really couldn't come out in the 90s. I don't know how it was in Britain, but I know at least in America, like you would see a person here and there, but you wouldn't see people holding hands in the hallway and stuff like that. Until oh, no, like, fuck no, like hell recently. No. Yeah. So if, so if that's one of the aspects that the Duffer Brothers got it right. And like the, 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 the clever thing about the, the, um, the the Billy thing about his racism was it didn't it didn't go to the like the like the easy way to go on about it. You could you could you, they trust your judgment enough to pr- pick up what he was going against. Like yeah. I wasn't talking to that kid. You can kind of feel what he was going against. Yeah. Right like there. And it kind of showed you compare it, it also helped Steve's character because as much as Steve was an asshole, he wasn't like that. No. He was just like the usual kind of jock in high school kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, whereas Billy is is he's got issues like proper issues basically. You know he's he's borderline psychotic basically. Let me ask you a question. Um, go on. How do you feel about the Mrs. Robinson situation about to go down? Oh man. <laughs> do you know what? I have to admit, I was like, come on, do it, man, do it. Come on, come on. I want to see something. Um, I, I thought that was really fascinating, actually. But because and uh, because also, don't forget, a lot of a lot of people who are sociopath can be extremely charming as well you know it just because they have no feeling there it doesn't mean they can't charm people into doing what they want and and that's what this guy this billy guy is but but he's also he does cry when his dad is is roughing him up yeah then and like you know he's like oh faggot there's blah 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 and like Mm -hmm. and then hits him and billy's literally crying afterwards you know and you forget he's only like what how old is he supposed to be 17 18 i don't know and and I mean, you think back to that age and that, okay, so sorry, I'm coming back to your Mrs. Robinson point eventually, but I wanted to circle back to the, the situation with his father. Um, this, if, there, if we have any younger listeners who, who are watching it or, or listening to us thinking, oh my God, what are these guys talking about? We're out of touch with reality. No, actually, racism, very prevalent. Anti-gay feeling, very prevalent. Hitting your children, yes. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, out of my generation, I, I was probably, I was probably just about. I just snuck into the new generation where we didn't really get hit properly. Yeah, my brother's generation, fucking hell. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, my brother's generation and older, and like, there's only four years between, between us. I mean, you kids would not understand growing up now. I'm not sorry. I'm not. Sorry, I'm not trying to be patronizing. I'm sure there are children who still get. The, the difference is, is that children who get hit now are abused yeah back then it was the norm it, this is how you expect like most parents would just deal with their children they would just hit their children 
Yeah. If you, if you were out of line for too long, most children would get hit. And this is what it was like back then. So I actually give massive props to the Duffer Brothers for in such a high profile thing for actually just saying, look, this is how it was. You know, uh, I don't want to go on about it too long. Okay, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Robinson, I was praying that would happen. I was like, come on, your husband's asleep. Come on, let's just get this on. Let's add you know, a little you know what bit got of me about that? I knew she was. I knew the lady was pretty right, but I was like just going along with it. But then it, it, it shows you, and this goes back to that that, that thing you were talking about the, with the male gaze. All it takes is that to make you wake up. So I'm, I'm, I watched her all this point. I'm like, okay, like she wasn't ugly, but I knew she was pretty. But I'm sitting there watching, okay, but she never, I never really like picked up on it. But then once that situation happened, my eyes just like, then all of a sudden I was like, who is she? You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was like weird. You know what I'm saying? Like it was weird. Like I knew she was pretty and I, I, I was like, I just went along with it. And then as soon as that situation happened the way it happened, it kind of took, you know what it took me, you know why? It took me back to the 80s where those 80s movies where you had the board suburban housewife. There was always some teenager that would come by and, and then the lady would take advantage of the, of the kid. And I remember, and I remember as a kid watching those eighties movies. Matter of fact, I don't know if you know this one called Private Lesson, Sylvia Cristel. No. I don't know if you have ever seen that one. It's like one of the eighties movies. It's like she's like a she's like a maid. And she comes working for them. Like she's like a foreign maid, and the kids like he doesn't know how to deal with women. She's kind of like showing them how to like show them, like this is how you treat girls and blah 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 and this and that and yada yada yada. It's almost like it's almost like weird science, except with weird science didn't have sex with Lisa, but he yeah. actually had sex with the older woman. So when I seen that, I was like, it kind of took me back to those '80s movies where it's like that stuff, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and I and I and I know in 2017 is not a good thing to say. But I'm just I'm just saying like that's how kids were back then. It was like my fantasy when I was a kid, as a teen, as, as a little kid watching these movies, like, hey, I want to go to a suburban neighborhood and have a a hot lady teach me how to blah blah blah. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like you know what when I was I can't remember if I was 16 or no I might have been I was somewhere between 15 and 17 basically mm-hmm. and uh, I, I've never told anyone this so I'm going to tell the whole world basically <laughs> what, uh, what one of my um, mother's friends and then like all of the kids we were all friends and stuff like that like we started seeing each other more and more infrequently and stuff like that anyway so my mother's friend came around this lady and um and she hit on me like when my mum went to the kitchen basically and, and it was a proper Mrs. Robinson situation <laughs> and so this brought flashbacks of this to me and I was like I didn't do anything because like you know whatever but um but it was kind of like these things happened um they probably don't happen so much now I don't know actually maybe they do I know in America there's always some teacher who's like banging oh yeah and stuff like like every that, other every other month there's a teacher yeah on. yeah um, the last thing to mention is the actor who's playing Billy is actually Australian. I didn't realize that until just now. So um, he, I think he's brilliant. It's just such an over-the-top villain. It's fantastic. But then you see that that kind of development and the motivation as well. Um, who else was great? I thought, uh, what's his face? Who's being, what's his face? The the main police guy. Harbour. Um, yeah. Hop- David yeah. Uh, Harbour. Yeah, exactly. I think he did a really good job, actually. Um the dynamic between him and Eleven is one of the most interesting points. And and obviously because I think he, he originally had a daughter called Sarah, which he, Eleven didn't realise and stuff like that. So I think that was one of the best kind of dynamic duos of the whole series. And it's something that was actually kind of like, it could definitely be misconstrued from the outside looking in for sure. And and I'm sure they had to be really sensitive with it. Um, so, uh, But I think they handled it very well. Uh, how do you think that was? Because I mean, because if, could you could you could you because people got to experience him for the first season, and he's one of the breakout characters. 
Like he's one of he's a, he's bigger than he is before. So people he has that because here's the thing David Harbour has he has that and I've seen him in other movies he could play dark characters don't get me wrong but he brought like this warmth like he brought a ma- like there's always been to talk about like Harp Hopper's masculinity like he's so confident in masculinity he doesn't have to try hard to be like the man's man like he just he just is a man's man but you also feel like he's a good guy you know what I'm trying to say like he's not he's he's not he's not a wimpy he's you can tell he's a compassionate guy but he's not a wimpy compassionate you know what I'm trying to say. That makes sense what I'm saying to you? Yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, he's very nuanced as an actor, though, as yeah. well. Like, it, like he's played... Uh, he's actually really low-key someone who's got in a lot of big films over the years and or even TV shows and stuff. So, uh, and I think he's got tremendous range. This, he gets to properly star because the other ones, he's frequently like a supporting character and stuff like that. Yeah. But here, he's one of the, the main draws. And I think he deserves it. You know, he does a really good job in this. Um, I mean, it, it's it's still like you said at the beginning of this podcast. It's still Stranger Things, and it's still something that you don't really need to delve too deeply yeah. into. Um, and I think I don't know if whether or not that that suits his sort of acting capabilities or what. I, I'd even say like Winona Ryder in this. Like people people go a little bit over the top about Winona Ryder, and I'm like fucking president of her fan club, but mm. well, not literally. But I love her. Um, I don't think she has to do so much in in Stranger Things, or, or at least this season. Um, but I, I think everything she does is great. Like she, you know she what it is. Have, go on. You know what it is, basically, because it's Renona Ryder. Like you, like Renona Ryder had a thing where you, you're always glad to see. I think there's something, and maybe this is weird. Like she's a good actress, and she's always been a good actress. I mean, you've seen her in all these movies, especially like um, stuff like The Crucible. Like she is a great, good to great actress when she wants to be. But I think at the same time, it's always that thing where it's like. You want, especially when it comes to women, especially especially given the fact what's going on right now in this culture, yeah. especially with, with Hollywood actresses and you know what they're going through. Like we were talking, somebody was talking about Annabelle Sciorra and stuff like that, and you see how they get underplayed and all that stuff like that. And Uma Thurman recently, what they, she was talking about and how you got all these great actresses and they all disappear at some point. And meanwhile, you got these guys doing over and over stuff. So on some level, like you, I think everybody's just happy to see Renona Ryder back and doing something. And like she does a good job on the show, and I think that's kind of what leads to the overpraise. Not to say that she doesn't deserve any praise, because she does. But I think that's what kind of like, like also adds to it, because you always want to see like a star, especially a woman who's been away for so long. Because when's the last time you seen Renona Ryder since since Danger Things came out? Like, when's the last time you seen her really do something that was like in the in the public sphere? You see her do this and that every once in a while. So I think that's adds to it. Not to say that she's a good job. I think anything, if anything, I think she's a little bit more like controlled than this one. Because I think in the first season, she always had to be like in a frenzy because her son was missing. But this one is kind of like she's a little bit more proactive, and she's not. She's still concerned about her son, but she's not as frenzied because now she's determined not to lose her son again. In a sense, so it's not the same thing where she's like like the hysterical lady, but she still has that concern and that like go getter situation. And the fact that she was willing. To like take the risk to turn on those heaters. Just like I, I'm so I, I, I'm so sure that I believe that I get my son back. That I'm not I'm going to risk. I'm going to take this risk and turn these heaters up. Cause remember remember her her son was like no you can't do that you can't do that and she's like I'm going to do it. As compared yeah. to the first season where she's like she didn't want to take any risk to get her son back, but now she's like you know what I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get my son back. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of worth remembering how big an actress she was. Yeah. Um, like you referenced, like the, the kind of current era we're in, thanks to the fucker that is Harvey Weinstein and stuff like that. Um, you know, like like I read this tweet, it was basically saying, you know, Winona Ryder got completely just disowned by Hollywood 
for a shoplifting incident. Now, I'm not saying shoplifting is good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But then all these guys who are just, you know, just like... Sex. Robert Downey Jr.? What? So, hang on. No, he could, he, but he was drugs, right? Yeah, he was, I'm, 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 I'm not saying I'm not, I'm, he's a bad guy. But I'm saying these guys get chances over and over again. Like He had millions of chances. He was like... Like the stuff yeah. he was doing, like he was like driving around naked and stuff like that. Like there's all this crazy stuff that these guys would do, and they would yeah. do chances over and over again. But these women would do certain things, and they would be considered. But, like, but oh. I mean, I mean, well, hang on. Sorry, that's detracting from my actual point. Like the of the of the tweet that I read is that oh, okay. people who are actual like proper sex offenders and like predators and this oh, yeah. and that who are doing really really illegal shit. And and when Owen Ryder got done for shoplifting, now okay, she shouldn't have shoplifted. I can't remember the details behind it, but whatever. But she got completely disowned by Hollywood for that. And then you get these men in power doing all this shit who don't lose the power. And like you're saying, get chance, chances again and again. You know, she went off the radar. Like basically from, from 1988 until what, 2000, 2001. I mean, she, she was on and off like in huge films and, and especially like kind of more early on, like you're talking, you know, <laughs> like Heathers, Edward Scissorhands, Mermaids, all these kind of ones. Beetlejuice. And then it kind of progressed. Be- yeah, Beetlejuice, Dracula, Age of... In- I mean, like, she was in countless films. Up until basically, I guess, like, what she was on that Friends episode <laughs> as Rachel's friend and stuff. And and then after that, she was disowned by Hollywood. And, and it was really funny. Like, there was this one scene. Well, she had this one role. I'm sure, like, most people haven't seen this film or... It got disowned by so many people, but I still loved it. It was called Simone, and it had Al Pacino in it. It was written by Andrew Nichol, and she was in it. And in it, she plays this actress who gets really kind of high and mighty, and she ends up losing the job. And she finds her sort of... She comes back down to earth and ends up auditioning and gives this incredible audition and stuff like that. Like, that's not much of a spoiler. It's just in the film. And it it was a really fascinating piece because it was it was concurrent with what was going on in her life because she'd been disowned by Hollywood and had fallen from grace and had to build up back from... But you're right. What has she been in, basically, for the last 10 years? I think she was in Black Swan. Apart from that, if she was talking about proper actual... I mean, she she just completely went off the radar. So it is... I, I don't know. It's a nice thing to have her back. If you're talking about, like, her acting chops and stuff like that, it's... Is it harsh to call it irrelevant <laughs> like you know is it just nice to have her on screen and doing a solid job and and like sort of helping to tie the 80s to now i i don't know i just think she does a, a solid enough job and and you know i don't think it's the best performance and anything like that but i don't know i feel like i'm getting too deep into it into it i mean or it's sometimes that's all it takes sometimes you just enjoy seeing a person back on screen yeah that's as simple as it gets sometimes I mean, if you're talking about how much nostalgia is in Stranger Things, mm. then she's not she's 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 not nostalgia, but she is like the living embodiment of connecting now to back then, basically. I would um, say for I would make the argument for a lot of a lot of girls that grew up in that era, especially I don't know how it was in Britain, but in America, like she was a big deal to girls. Oh when yeah, I was, when I was in school. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. I think a lot of praise. I don't know so much of his guys, and like I said, I'm not trying to be sexist. I don't know if so much guys getting praised, but if, if if people watching those 80s and 90s movies and looking at that. He was a big deal at that point in time for girls, so it's it's almost like I say it's it's, it's kind of like that. I don't want to say girl power because that's that's limited in too much, but it's just like it's almost like whenever you see it's like you want to people love the comeback, put it that way. Yeah, regardless of the performance, it's always good to see the comeback. Like when when Christian Slater popped back up on um, Mr. Robot and they started being successful, like oh, Christian Slater's back in the, the limelight. There's always the, people love that comeback story. They love yeah. the comeback story. So yeah. 
I don't like, I'll make this argument. I don't think Stranger Things is a showcase for like high acting. The actors are good for what they do on that show. I don't think it's like a, a show for nuanced acting. But I think it's just like Stranger Things is selling you this nostalgia and enjoying these characters, and that's nothing. It's offering you nothing more. It's not offering you the great, the grand tragedy of America back in the eighties. That's not what the story is trying to tell you. It's just trying to tell you like the solid Stephen Kingish Spielberg story, and that's all I think you really need to take from it. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much to add on on cast members and stuff like that um, beyond what we've gone through, and. I mean, to be perfectly honest, you just you wrapped up the podcast for me. Then, it's like, like I don't really want to say any more like that. It's just it's just enjoyable. The only thing that I will ask is, where do you think it's going to go from now? I'm telling you, I, I'll tell you my theory. Go on. Uh, I think the Smoke Monster is Matthew Modine. Oh, that's what I think. And if they and if they do that, then they better write Lost a big check. That's for the way. But anyway, I don't want to say that. I know people who are fans of Lost are like, okay, I hear what you're saying. But I think I, that's where I think this is going because I think there, when the guy said he's still alive, and then that smoke monster has some kind of like like sentience, and he's and like on the other side of something. Like that. I just got that theory right there. But I do think going back to what you're saying about them getting older, like I do hear the Duffer Brothers saying like they're going to take the age into account. They're not going to keep pretending like they're still those young kids. It's like whatever age they are when they start shooting the next season of of, of Stranger Things, they're going to take that into account and 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 take that year properly. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like, because it would be ridiculous if we keep trying to make them be like the small kids. It's not going to fly anymore. Even though the guy that played Billy is like in his late 20s. The guy that plays Billy? Yeah, I think he's really older. Like he's no, older. no, no. He's like 22. He's 22? Really? I yeah, thought somebody yeah, said yeah. he was like in his late 20s. No, what? The Australian guy? The Australian guy, yeah. He's in yeah, 22? He's 22. Yeah, he's 22. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where I got that from. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, to take your point, I already feel like I've watched some of them grow up. Like, uh, if you look at Dustin, he already looks physically bigger and he's got his teeth, his pearly whites. <laughs> and, and like, he, he looks physically bigger. It's funny because they don't really shoot him height-wise that often. But if you notice it, he's clearly had a growth spurt compared to some of the other ones. Like, the one who plays Will looks like he's, like, seven or something like that. It's crazy. He clearly looks younger than the other lot. Um, and... And then, I mean, girl, you know, puberty hits girls quicker, doesn't it? So I'm pretty sure Millie Bobby Brown's going to, like, shoot up soon. Max, I don't know how old the actress playing Max is. Uh, she's 15. So, yeah, she's still pretty young. You know, I, I think she was really good, actually. Sorry, I haven't even mentioned her, but I thought she was actually really good. Oh, she yeah. she was a, a, a clearly a talented actress, I thought. If you could tell from her facial expressions and stuff like that, I think she was really good. I think if you're looking at Millie Bobby Brown, I think it's still a bit, it's a bit soon for her. I think last year was more forgiving because she was playing such a limited role in certain instincts, like vocabulary-wise and like certain things, you know, because she was just literally coming out into the world very fresh and didn't know anything. This time around, I... I there were times when I don't, and uh, like I like her, and she's super young, and she's English, so I'm not going to be an asshole about things. But uh, I think there were times when it's a little bit of a disconnect. Like it was like she, there was too much of her learning on the job, kind of thing. I reckon she'll come back stronger next year because you can already see that development of her within interviews and press and stuff like that. So Let me ask you a question. Come back. Go on. Do you think that's because um, because of the fact that she was separated from the kids for so long because she was playing well off the kids, and then pretty much she was pretty much like either by herself with adults in the um in her storyline this year. It seemed, didn't you think she got stronger when she was with the kids? Yeah, I think so. 
Um, there, there were times I think her work with um, with Jim Hopper was good um, because you can just imagine that they would they would have like been just jammed together and then had to kind of work it out together properly. I thought she was good then. When she went outside of that, I get what you're saying about the, the sort of the the episode where she goes into the city. It was there were times when it was a little bit wooden. I don't know, but then uh, I don't know. It, it's difficult. Like. It's also very hammy as well. Like if you saw the last couple of episodes of this season, it it's quite over the top. It's not nuanced or anything like like we keep saying, you know. Um, so it, it's it's a, it's just one to more enjoy. Basically, I I think okay. Getting back to my original thing, I think the next couple of seasons, whether they do two or three, I I just don't know. Like for school purposes, if they're going to keep shooting these kids every year, I don't know if they're going to take a break for a year and then come back to it or what. But then I don't think Netflix would really allow that. There's too much money at stake. This is huge now. Have you seen the press for this thing? Jesus Christ, it's everywhere. Like even like I mentioned it for the Blade Runner 2049 podcast. Uh, like I got this alert on my phone. I've got a Samsung phone. It was saying, "Oh, there's a Stranger Things VR experience." So I downloaded it. It was like a half a gigabyte and like. I sort of lasted about 10 minutes and shat myself. And I was like, okay, I'm out, <laughs> basically. Because imagine being in VR in Stranger Things with freaking demigorgons and shit. Like, it, it was really kind of, like, intense. Um, and, and, like, there's a, a a game, a really fun kind of throwback game on the App Store and uh, Google Play Store. And, and there are interviews constantly with these guys and stuff like that. So it's pretty fascinating. Like, I, d- I don't know how they're going to logistically do this with, such a group of like children they really are children they're like you know so um maybe it's worth them taking a year's break or something i don't know but in terms of plot line sorry i'm rambling plot line i think it's pretty obvious that the shadow monster is going to be a big thing but how, i hope they just don't stretch it for the sake of it that they need to keep bringing in things they brought in eight which i think was a good idea no matter what um they brought in max which rounded things off you've got billy who's an antagonist and and they didn't really did, did they kill anyone off this season? Sean Aston. Sean Aston. Oh shit! Yeah. Do you know what we didn't even mention him? A lot of people think he was the MVP of this season, and like I, I can understand that. I think he was really good. Um, mm. He made that colossal fuck up when he'd, he he was telling um, Will in the car about his nightmares and saying, "Oh, don't run," you know. <laughs> yeah, he didn't know though. I mean, that, that that'd be normal advice. Yeah, that's normal advice you would give a kid if you're trying to get into it. It is, but you know what's interesting? I literally stopped it and turned to my wife and said, "He's evil. He's evil, isn't he?" I thought at that point he's like some CIA operative. He plays it, and and like I was completely wrong, obviously. But other people had that thought as well. So um, yeah, but he was really good actually. I, I love that. Obviously, you've got that Goonies throwback and stuff like that. But I just think he did a really good job, and his character was well developed, and he got that death that he deserved. Like that was the one kind of OTT death that was like the heart wrenching one and stuff. So um, I think he did a really good job. Let me say something about um, Paul Reiser and he redeemed Burke. So hang on, which one's Paul Reiser? Paul Reiser from Aliens. We're mad about you, Paul Reiser. He was a scientist. You don't know who Paul Reiser is? Uh... You, you remember Aliens? Aliens? Yeah. You know, you know Burke, the guy that was working for Will Nutani, and he was trying to bring the alien back as a specimen to make money off of it? No. You don't remember Aliens? No, I remember the first one, but not the second one. Oh, so you remember the second one where the Marines are going down to fight the aliens? No. Wow. Is that the one where at the end they've got the, those big giant robot Power Lotus, yes. Okay, fine. I remember that, but I don't remember. that. I haven't watched Aliens since I was like 11 years old, to be honest. Wow. 
Wow. So, so that so then that whole thing's go that's going over your head. Well, and El, well, Paul Reiser plays like the scientist in this. Oh, one. mad about you with Helen. Yeah, Hans. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's coming back to me slowly. Yeah, and that's yeah. what the whole joke with Paul Reiser was. Where basically they put him in another scientist, like another position. To, uh, like you, you would think because you watched Aliens that he was going to be the guy trying to make money off of or, or have some like 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 scheme to try to like get the the other side to make more money, and then you find out he's actually good at the end of it. That was the whole that was the whole joke with him. If you did, if you if you don't remember aliens, then it would probably go over your head at that point. Yeah, that went over my head. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, I don't really have too much else to say. Um, but yeah. Okay, so which gun to the head time? What do you prefer, season one or season two? At this point, uh, it's a wash for me. There's some things I enjoy about the other season, but then like the other one, to me, it's like to me, it's just like one big show. Personally, to be honest with you, so like. As long as these characters are enjoyable and the plot doesn't fall for any rails, then I'm in, I'll, I'll enjoy it. That's how that's how I take it with the show. Pretty much, it's like if the characters are fun to be around, then I'll continue watching. So I don't yeah. think there's really a stronger season one or the other for me. I, I actually really liked this season. I think there's much more of a visceral thrill and binge watchability to the first one, but I think this one for me kind of I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, I think there was a lot more development here, and it sets up the next couple of years really well. Actually, um, if you talk about the development between, especially between the kids, um, I think it's good. Okay, I don't really have anything else to say to be honest. In life, generally. <laughs> um, so yeah, catch us on Twitter at t underscore rebels and on Facebook at Transatlantic Rebels Podcast. Okay, peace. <laughs>